0: Welcome back to Campbell Conversations with your host, Colin Campbell. And today's episode I am joined in conversation with Mr. Brad Burton. Brad is the UK's number one motivational business speaker and I have a cracking conversation for you. Expect to hear about Brad's incredible life story and his perspectives gained from the highs and lows he's experienced. Brad's success has certainly not come easily as he left school with no qualifications, was addicted to drugs twice and spent four years on benefits. We joined dots between the worst day of Brad's life and becoming the UK's number one motivational business speaker and a multiple times published author. You're going to hear so many anecdotes and quick-witted phrases during this episode. There's a lot to learn from Brad's mindset, his approach and his perspectives to apply to your own life and really push forward to live in line with your values. Today's conversation is sponsored and supported by FitLogic Systems. Owner Joe McNee has worked in the fitness industry for a number of years now while juggling a full-time job and a young family. If you're a fitness coach looking to get back more of your time and spend more of it on the important things within your business, then FitLogic Systems is for you. Joel started to automate boring repetitive tasks and over time he grew the part-time hobby into a business and has worked with some of the biggest names in the fitness industry to fully implement a custom automation solution to your business. Custom automation solution sounds very fancy, but effectively it is reducing the amount of admin work that you do as a coach and allows you to do more coaching. This can work whether you're a one-man band, you're looking to get back more of your time, or you're a coach looking to reduce reduce their admin load and scale your business to take on more coaches and more clients to work with you and for you. Regular podcast guest, the founder of MTN, David Hatt, uses FitLogic Systems to ensure that he can keep the quality of his coaching high without getting bogged down with hours of admin work. If you're not sure if this is right for you, you can take the quiz in the show notes, which is readinesstoscale.scoreapp.com, or you can find Joe and connect with him on Instagram at systems. That'll be linked in the show notes too. The only thing left to ask you before the music plays is make sure you are subscribed or following on whatever app you're on. And if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please make sure you've hit that five-star rating button. The podcast has grown an incredible amount in the last few months and it cannot keep happening unless people like you rate, support the show and share it with other people like you as we grow a really like-minded, self-development-focused community here at Cambro Conversations. But that's quite enough from me. The music's going to play and you're going to hear from myself and Mr. Brad Burton. Welcome back to Canberra Conversations. And today's conversation, I'm delighted to be joined by Brad Burton, the UK's number one motivational business speaker. Brad, thanks for joining me.
1: Colin, kicking ass as always. Good to be here, mate.
0: Yeah, excited to have you. And I'm so aware of your story and your energy, and I was telling you when I first came across you back in 2015, 2016. Mm. But for those who aren't familiar, who is Brad Burton?
1: It depends which version you want. You know, you can have the the kid who was brought up in Manchester. Uh, Dad left when I was six months old. Uh, left school with no qualifications, um, worked in a shop, uh, got shot at when I was 21, been addicted to drugs twice, done four years on benefits and delivered pizza at 31. Or you can have Brad Burton, the UK's number one motivational business speaker, four-time best-selling author, uh, the founder of 4Network in the once largest joined-up business network around the UK. Oh, my, my. You see, listen, two sides of the same coin, and we've all got a story, and this is the thing is that if I go back far enough in your life, Um, I'll find something questionable, (laughs) fact, you know. um, And the difference is, is most people aren't stupid enough to share it, I
0: am. Yeah, but I think the fact that you share it also shows where you can end up if you apply yourself properly, because you mentioned that first Brad Burton or the first part of Brad Burton, where, of course, with your background, you could definitely have ended up in jail or dead, you got well, you got bullets shot through your window. You've you 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 have talked about it many times before, and that could have ended also differently to the the man that we have speaking to us today.
1: Yeah, you know, I look at it, worst day of my life, January the second, nineteen ninety five, two bullets went through my window and caused me to move overnight. If I put two bullets through your window, Colin, and I said, Right, you've got to move somewhere where nobody knows you, where would you go?
0: Out of the country for sure. You I I w I wouldn't even I wouldn't have only just gone down south. I think it was it you went to Somerset, I would have gone further, oh, I think. Yeah.
1: But you, don't, you don't have the money to go abroad, so where are you moving now? Go.
0: Uh, probably one of the Scottish islands. I love Ireland, something like
1: that. Oh, I love Ireland, by the way. I used to go there as a kid. Um, <clears throat> another story. But listen, so so that's the decision I had to make. I had to move somewhere. I had to go, and I'm basically I ended up over in the southwest. Now, what's interesting about that, the worst day of my life that was, the worst day of my life. However, you and I wouldn't be speaking right now, you know, if it wasn't for the worst day of my life. So everything happens for the reason, even the shitty stuff, I wouldn't be this motivational speaker if I if have not got shot at. And it's like, you look at it, and I think what ends up happening is the question that I always ask, no matter what's going on in your world, what does this make possible, right? And for, for many years, when I first moved down here, I was kind of going through the grieving process, denial. I wanted to go back to a place that no longer existed, back to Salford uh, with all my mates and so forth. Um, And I I held on to that, and held on to that, and held on to that. And it caused me tremendous pain. And when I look at, like, COVID and lockdown and so forth, so many people wanted to go, or still want to go back to a time and a place that no longer exists. So the sooner you can accept your circumstances, and that's what it is about acceptance for the grieving process, sooner you can accept, the sooner you can get on with your life. And that's what I've been pretty good at recently.
0: It's interesting you say you wanted to go back to a life before you were shot at, but I suppose things have to happen for an event like that to be the accumulation of bad events. So what was life in Salford like up until that point?
1: Great fun. You don't realize it. it's like saying to a fish, what's the water like? And the fish says, What fucking water? You know, it was it was it was good. I was a 20, 21 year old Jack the lad, you know, um nightclubs, weekends, drugs, partying, lots of women, just everything was cool, you know, by all accounts, living the dream as a 20-year-old lad. Um and then that obviously changed when my complete circle and my world that I knew changed you know you look at like wars that go on somebody's living in the house and doing the job and the next thing there's a war going on in the country it's like the world's changed that's what happened and i think when i look at everyone's world's changed everyone's world has changed in some way or form throughout the thing. but that was a real hard stop for my life but good solid fun but i look at it like i say it took me maybe three years to to accept that i had to kind of move away and um you know i might as well i should have accepted that three week in and embraced it but so many people don't and it's one of the things that i teach
0: yeah i think that's something that you speak about wasn't it brad in terms of like dealing with those low points and moving forward in the best possible way of course that took you a little bit of time but that allows you now to tell it on to others to say don't waste the time that i did because that would have been i think you said four years on benefits at, at one point so that was a long period of kind of stagnation for the man that has the capability that you clearly do
1: and that's the thing so i did two years six months and 18 months so it wasn't all in one but when i first moved from some summer Salford to Somerset, it was two years. You look at that, the amount, like, what's crazy about this, right? There is an alternate world for my life where I could have been in in now 49, you know, five stone heavier, sat in a frigging Weatherspoons with a fag, copied a racing post and two pints in front of me at eight o'clock in the morning. That was, and this is what, you know, you look at anyone who's doing that right now over at Weatherspoons, and you kind of look and say to yourself, how did that individual end up there? No one who's ever got on a ladder. Um, ever said, "Oh, I'll tell you what. I'm going to get on a ladder and go and break my fucking leg." Yeah, if you go up in the A and E wards, up and down the land, you're going to find someone who's in there who went up a ladder and fell off the leg. So you kind of got to recognise that stuff can happen outside of your control. And as soon as you recognise that stuff happens outside of your control, you know hold that you better placed to be able to deal with it. And that's what I've been really good at looking back as a as a as an older man now. Um, I'm older, fatter, and wiser. And actually looking at some of the decisions that I made. Or some of the decisions that were made for me and how they bring me here today. Because if it wasn't for the worst day of my life, I wouldn't be speaking at the highest level, four books. I wouldn't have met my wife. Wow. So something so fucking terrible was like impacted tens of thousands of people because, you know, with my network or with my previous business or me speaking, just, just mind blowing. So this is everything happens at a reason. And the sooner you can accept that, the sooner you can accept that, the sooner you can get on with your life. If I was going to give you a red hot coal and said, hold on to that red hot coal, you'd let go of it immediately, your default position. But what we end up doing with shit that's popped off in our life is we hold on to it because it keeps us connected to the past or it keeps us connected or it's some unresolved thing. <clears throat> and at some point, you've got to let go of that because the longer you hold on to it, the more it's going to burn or hurt you. And and, and I look at people, especially with what's gone on in the last pandemics and so forth, the last few years, people are walking wounded out there because they want to go back to a place that no longer exists you know, well, before this, I used to have this, this, this. yes, well, it's not before this, we are where we are. And that's what I'd urge so many people that are, I think are, are causing themselves more problems than the initial problems have already been caused.
0: When you let go of the, the hot coal in in Somerset, what was yeah. next? How do you join the dots between there and becoming the UK's number one motivational business speaker, which is the tagline?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll get to that because people say to me, "Say, you know, Brian, we the UK's number one motivational business speaker." I just made a fucking website. I said, "I'm the UK's number one motivational business speaker," and the first person you've got to convince of your brilliance is you. See, I've got people say "Well, you're not the UK's number one." Uh, you know who told you that? And I, you know who said that? And I said, "Look, let me ask you this question: <clears throat> Who called Muhammad Ali the greatest? He did." And there's a reason for that is that somewhere along the way, the first person you've got to convince of your brilliance is you. Now, when I say the UK's number one motivational business speaker, it's a term that never existed until I made it up. So it sounds like it's always been there. Motivational business speaker didn't exist. I've made it up. There's no records online of it prior to me. So it sounds like it's always been there. It's a bit like me and you in a nightclub and going, look out there, Colin, there's a £20 note there. you. Go and grab it. And you go, you saw it. You go and grab it. And whilst we're talking about it, somebody comes up, picks the £20 note up, and then what happens is me and you, then argue, well, I fucking told you, you'd seen it, So I see have
0: taken advantage of that opportunity.
1: Right. And, and and don't complain because I picked the £20 note up, even though you'd seen it. So this is what I'm saying. I mean, the, the thing is with that UK number one, um, There's no league table for motivational speakers, right? That's the reality of it. So I was just, I was just having a bit of fun with it. And this is what people need to understand. One of my books, get off your ass. I've just got a thing here, get off your ass. Voted best business book of 2009 by my mum, right? So, you know, a bit of fun again, but people don't read that people. And this is what you need to understand. Always always ask yourself a question. Is what I'm doing likely to go and get me arrested by the armed police SO19 with flashbang grenades? Yes or no? The answer is no, fucking do it. And that's what I've always done. I've always been a little bit thinking, but going back to the point you made about joining the dots, what happened? And this is another one, a good example of how things happen for a reason. So I applied for a job uh, as a a computer games, I'm a big gamer, computer games shop manager back in 1996. And I got the application form. You had to complete an application form. My handwriting is terrible. So I didn't complete the application form. I threw it in the bin. My girlfriend at the time, she completed the application form for me. And she applied for the job. And I got the interview and I dragged my way to the, to the job. Like, whoa. If she hadn't have done that, I actually met my wife outside that very shop. So that that, that girlfriend gone, but you know so it just shows you that everything happens for a reason and you can only join the dots up when you look back at your life and go whoa, that's amazing so i am um, yeah, i'm 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 absolutely uh sounds fucking daft me saying it now delighted that i got shot up
0: <laughs> yeah it's 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 crazy how you can reframe these things and move forward and a lot of people who have achieved great things can point to an instant where their their path was changed because like you say you were you were partying drink drugs women and you great. were living a life that was fun great. exactly for for Salford and and you were pleased with it but when that radically changes course you're like well actually I've actually probably gone on to what most people would probably deem better things in terms of a higher level of contribution
1: absolutely no question and and you don't realize what you can be and I think about me and I think about my life and and the decisions that I've made my boy uh, Ben he's just gone to university first Burton to go to university like mind-blowing right? Like, blows my socks off, university. So, I've I've changed the trajectory of my family because it changed, changed the trajectory of my thinking because this is where it all starts and I think people get it all twisted. They think, ah, I'll get my business right and then I can sort my life out and it doesn't work like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's, a, that's an absolutely massive point. Uh, the, the opportunism of you titling, like you say yourself, the, the UK's number one motivational business speaker, a term that never existed before, but sounds so tangible and so real. Of course, that is something that people are like, oh, like it gets their back up a little bit where you, like you've you just called yourself it. But then, of course, you have to then walk the walk, which you've now done however right. many so, so, times on stage. true story. When I first started and never called
1: myself the UK's number one motivational business speaker, Right. What I did is I called myself a motivational business speaker. And then I swear to you, I said to my wife, I said, watch what happens now. And sure enough, I called it the UK's. And that was it. Whoosh, everyone kicking off. But what was lovely about it is it got people talking about me, positively or negatively, it didn't make no difference. They were talking about me. I have put my name on on, on, the, on, on the map. Um, but then as people would say, oh, well, you're not the UK's number motivational business speaker. And I say, well, is... well it's not you. Why not? And, and, and it was great because if I asked 100 people who are the UK's number one motivational business speakers prior to me calling myself that, I think that 99% of them would have a different name. I think if you used to ask them now, you would probably say me. And actually, I've withdrawn from it on my new website. I've actually taken it off. We're no longer using it uh, overtly. But what happens now through Google, we are number one for that. So quite a smart move, really, and I'll stick as a look.
0: Yeah, it it's, it's, it's stayed with you, which is positive. You've uh, you famously said that you can't trust a, a fat motivational speaker. Why is that?
1: <clears throat> Think about it. If you can't even inspire yourself to lose weight, nobody likes being fat, right? Nobody likes being fatter than they are. Anyone who says they, they like the curves is talking out of their ass. You like your cakes. That's the reality of it. You like your cakes, and as a result of the byproduct of your cakes, you like your curves. Take it from me, by the way, forced on heavier heavy it so, so I understand food. I get it, right? But honestly, if you're a fat motivational speaker... Tell me why you don't want to lose weight. Tell me why you – is it too hard? Is it because you can't overcome their minds? Because that's where it all starts, by the way. It's not here. It's not your belly. It's your mind. Um, So, you know, I I said that, and once again, I was being um, controversial. But equally, there's a message in all my controversy, which is true. Think about it logically. If you're a fat, motivational speaker, and I was to say to you, why are you a fat, motivational speaker? Can you not motivate yourself thin? And they'll say, "Oh, I really like the curves. No, you don't. You like cakes. So, you know, I was forced on heavier <clears throat> and I had to lose weight because it didn't add up. It didn't correlate to me. I'm going, this isn't working, this. I'm going out there and I'm I'm, I'm a jolly fat lad. And actually, don't get me wrong, I'm 49, beyond no illusions. You know, when you're 27, I you used to have a tapeworm that died and, and anything they eat now, it sticks. But, you know, I'm 49. At some point, I'm not going to be able to maintain. And when I present, I breathe in. Right, so you know, I'm telling you now, I breathe in and I crack a joke about it. What have been up when I'm on there, so I'm hardly spelt, but I'm better than I was, and I think that's what it is. And I think any motivational speaker that that is, that is overweight, from their perspective, oh, let me talk about me because you don't have the internet aghast, right? So it didn't add up to me. And I'll tell you something, and people go, Oh, no, that's not true, that's, that's fat shaming. It's only fat shaming if you're shamed, <laughs> right? And if you're shamed, why are you shamed for something you're so proud of? You know, am I Northern shaming? No. So I just think that people need to be really fucking honest. And I think that that's the problem with today's world is people aren't honest. LinkedIn is full of dishonesty. It's full of dishonesty. People like to say playing the game and then pretending you're not playing the game. I think is disgusting. And I think that's the difference between me is I'm playing no game. This is me, take it or leave it.
0: I've had a lot of conversations recently about uh, fit shaming as well, which appears to go in the reverse direction because people who leave the tribe of, body acceptance and body positivity around being more overweight and less healthy than people would probably want to be. (laughs) They get very uncomfortable when people leave that. So like um, the example I gave in a conversation with a gentleman called Gary McGowan was about Adele. Do you remember she lost a lot of weight a couple of years ago? A lot of, a lot of very overweight people in the press and the media took a time to have a dig at her and and saying that her weight loss was toxic. It was negative. When in fact she was actually becoming a healthier version of herself. And by her leaving the tribe, it unsettled people and they were like, Oh, Oh, how dare you betray us?
1: Helen, I've got type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes. If I said to you, um, uh, Jaffa Cakes, if you eat them, they're going to kill you. How many would you want? You wouldn't eat any. Well, guess what? They do kill you. It just takes 40 years for that to catch up to you, which is where I'm at. I have type 2 diabetes. And they can turn around and say I like my curves. I might well like my curves. What I don't like is type 2 fucking diabetes, uh, four metformin tablets a day. I don't do them. I do two. And I go to the gym and so forth that's as a result of my fucking cake retention, right? My bacon retention, it ain't my thyroid. That's the reality of it, it's fuck all to do with it. And I think that this is what people need to be honest because whilst you're not being honest with yourself and you're lying to yourself, then you're never gonna make change. So from my perspective, I used to swear too much when I was on stage. And the reason I swore too much was because I was nervous. Right, and my natural communication patterns is swearing, that's what I do. And it was only until I looked at that and said, right, Yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing it because I'm Northern. No, you're doing it because you're nervous. And actually, you go, okay, you know, so why are you eating cakes? Do you like, is it because you want your curves or do you like the sugar? Which one is it? And just think that people need to be fucking honest about who and what they are. And this is the problem. Everyone's in the Dell's business. Worry about your own fucking business. That's where people go wrong because people are spending far too much energy on other people's lives. I am now nine months in of no news. I haven't watched the news in nine months. I made the decision. I think it was Christmas Eve. No more news. That means that no more rolling twenty-four hours. No fucking mail online. I was banging to it. You know, politics. Used to love primary question. I've done none of it. The Queen died this week. I've, I've not watched any of the funeral. Nothing. You know. So, so, so. This is the point that I make focus on you focus on what you're doing rather than ah they need to Adele needs to fucking get on with your life. you want to eat cakes that's fine but don't start crying to me when your legs getting chopped off and you're losing three stone that way because you've got type 2 diabetes I have type 2 diabetes that if I would have continued on the trajectory that I was on I would have my legs chopped off under uh, local anaesthetic that's what that's what happens and people don't understand this so when anyone ever set out going up the ladder to break the leg no one who ever ate a fucking Jaffa cake said, ah, "I'm going to go and fucking lose my eyes. I'm going to go go blind." I've got a friend of mine who's gone blind because of What cake. do you think?
0: What do you think had you in the headspace to eat as much to put you in that position, Brad? Because great I know great, you're very self-aware.
1: Great, what was I bollocks? <laughs> Let me tell you. So I've done four years on benefits. There's been times when I've had no money for food, so my food was that Tesco's fucking dry pasta with margarine and salt. That was my food, right? That that I ate. And that was because I mismanaged my fucking finances. Let's not pretend, by the way, guy who's done benefits, right? You know, oh yeah, the benefit system, fuck off. It's supposed to be there to be a, a safety net, not a comfortable hammock, which is what I kind of made it into. And once again, people will be kicking over. Ah, oh, you don't understand food banks? <laughs> I don't understand. So my, my version of, of benefits is 20 years back. So I don't, I can't profess to, to understand it. But what I would say is this. So what I was doing is two things going on. When you get shot at and you've got a contract on your head, then all of a sudden, you don't think you're going to have another day. So I was, you know, I was living every day like it was my last. So then when I've come off that, and then I've also got, and this is about programming. If you think about your, your, the way that you view the world, you go on your LinkedIn at wall. Now your algorithm will be different to me. You'll see different things. yet It's still LinkedIn. Same goes for your life. So what happens every step of the way, our brains are like hard drives and what's happening. We're picking up programs along the way, oh my you, you know you, you're gonna get shot so so you start seeing fear um you've got no money so then when i started making money i'm still living like i'm not gonna fucking eat again so i'm having my i run a breakfast network so i was having breakfast meetings then i was going out with lunch then i was having a boozy lunch because i have no money so now i'm buying bottles of champagne conditioned. so so when you start looking at that that's what happened and entitlement you know that's why kings of old got gout because they had this entitlement, a big buffet at banquets. That's where I was at. This was me living the fucking dream. And, you know, as a child of the 70s, we was brought up on convenience food. You know, that was their first introduction to it. So I was having a ball. I didn't realise I'd become almost like a fucking, uh, taking my body was taking me from one fun experience to another fun experience. That was There's it. so
0: much within that, Brad. One, one of the things you said is because you had that, like maybe threat of death and that, that fear, when you live life, like there's not much left, you seek the instant gratification, and the pleasure from, of course, hyper palatable foods, high sugar, really, really satiating and like exciting at the time. Correct. But of course, once you then have the resources to continue and not have to live hand to mouth, and you know that maybe the fear of the the threat is now gone, you were still Correct. in that pattern where you were Correct. rewarding yourself with food.
1: Correct. And that's, and this is what people don't understand. I call it sustainable success. I've got business owners that come to me that have got fucking millions, millions of at-hand money. They are broken. Fucking scale it on to 10. 10 being zippity doo da zippity-day. There are two or a three. And you go, what is going on? Because this is what people don't understand. And, and listen, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older now to be kind of looking at this. When you're a kid, what you're like, your world is, is your home, toys, uh, food, right? That's it. Okay, and when you get older, you're, 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 you're physical, you're dealing with your physical, you're dealing with your emotional, you're dealing with your mental, you're dealing with your spiritual, you're dealing with your financial. All these factors are all at play. And then also, not only on that, I've just realised this was last night, I realised something. There's another world called digital that you're managing. So, so you know, all, all of these things need balancing. So, some people are in the physical world, the financial world, and they're doing great there, come home to the home world, everything's shit. So all these factors, people don't see that. People don't see it. People see success as Grant Cardone straddling a fucking jet and having a fucking Rolls Royce Phantom. That ain't success. Success is seeing your children. Success is being happy. Success is waking up and going, oh, what a beautiful day. Not, oh my God, I've got a million pound deal to do. And and this is the point I make. There are a lot of these success coaches, term that has never been used before, sustainable success that's my new one that we are focused on so once again like the, the the motivational business speaker sustainable success feels like it's been around forever it's not this is something i'm majoring on right now because i've got it i, I taught this morning uh, on, on linkedin which was about you know fucking uh me 100 grand a, a, a month coming in you know not mine for the business and I'm like, fucking hell Hundred thousand pounds, you know. People don't, you know. Oh, well, I've got six feet. Put it in perspective. That's a hundred thousand pounds a month coming in, twenty-five thousand pounds a week consistently. Like to make that happen, and this is the thing: we've got ourselves skewed now about what's normal. That's fucking big money. But everyone's oh yeah, I've got an eight million. Tell fucking grow up, right? I had that. I've got a fucking daft car. Got a five-bedroom house. Got my own arcade machine. I've got everything I want. And this is the point that I make about sustainable success. Enough is enough in all areas of your life. But what happens is we just keep fucking going and going and going and going and going and you get fatter and fatter and fatter, miserable and, miserable and miserable and then you fucking die.
0: I've had a lot of conversations about hedonic treadmills as well, which is exactly what you're talking about there when it comes to, yes, I've got the five bedroom house, but now my brain is telling me I need to get the six bedroom house. I've got the, I don't know, the Mercedes GT, whatever it is. Now I need to get the, the Lamborghini, whatever it is. It's, it's never ending.
1: Mate, yes, it is. And this is the thing that I realised. <clears throat> I wanted a ten-bedroom mansion with fucking staircases, that fucking twin staircases. And I had this wonderful idea that what happened, they'd invite all my guests around, Me and my wife would walk down the stairs, her in a me she dress, right, me in a fucking suit, and my butlers open the doors, and all our guests would come wafting in, looking at the wonderful, salubrious fucking chandeliers. What a load of fucking shit! You know, I am. I've got a, a five-bedroom house. I've got one room I don't go in. If I realise my dream and work really hard, I've got a 10-bedroom mansion, guess what? I'd have six fucking rooms I don't go in. Please, people, 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 make certain that what you're chasing is what you want. So I've got an night. well, I had an i8, sold it, right? Uh, i8. <clears throat> in the two and a half years that I owned it, I bought it and then, I'm not joking, when I got it in my garage at home, and then I had a big anvil of fucking buyer's remorse day one. Disappeared, thank Christ. It was horrible. Horrible, and then three months after, my eye ate me. The doors that would go up just turned into a fucking car. All that magic that I'd kind of, when you're looking and you're on old training, looking, all that had gone. And then, of the when I drove my car of the two and a half years, in that time, I think three or four cars that I'd seen that were better than mine, uh, Lamborghini, whatever. So the only way that I could surpass that is by getting one of them. And then when you get that, somebody gets it, but you can say, when the fuck does it end? It doesn't. And this is what we end up doing. We've been told almost like a donkey with a fucking carrot, chasing this fucking carrot that you can never get. So I've stopped chasing. And what I've done is gone, tell you what, if I stop chasing, the carrot is just fucking there as well. So, (laughs) and it's like, I'm saving my energy. And energy is so important. Right now we're going through a, a global crisis of energy. Global crisis, and I tell you, I don't know about you, but my wife, I'm like fucking weak-willy-winking with a gravy boat and a fucking candle and a fucking dingy walking around the house at the moment. Every that I go in, she's following me around, switching lights off. We're lucky we've even got the neon on, and you can't see it. But, you know, I, I look at this whole thing about energy, and more than ever before, we are conscious of energy. We know now to switch off, whereas before, I hand give a foot, leave it with But I saw something out, that same principle for human beings, so if I think about it, when you wake up my iPhone 14 Max, by the way, uh, Pro. So anyway, but when you wake up and it's 100% battery, right? When you wake up, your battery, generally speaking, won't be 100%. It might be 85, 87, whatever.
0: You might not have slept perfectly, yeah.
1: Right? But not only that, you've also got stuff going on, stuff on standby. So if you think about 100 blocks, like your, your, your percentile, you've got stuff that's on there, you've not dealt with that, and you're going to deal with it tomorrow. That's three blocks. So now you're down to 97 or whatever it is. And I realized something, I was having an argument with a wife, not last Monday, Monday before, and I'm arguing about some bollocks I can't remember now. And I was putting like, if you think about your energy, each of those hundred blocks being either green or red. I went to one, red one, two red one, three red one, four red one, and I went, this will just keep going this. And what happen? we'll have 15 red percentage points on an argument that actually doesn't fucking matter. So I stopped arguing. Now, you can also use those three energy points in a positive way. Instead of arguing and taking your energy into an energy off, go and walk the dog or go to the gym or go for a run, whatever. That's the difference. And you look at what you talked about before, and you mentioned it about how a short term. The single thing, if you said to me, Brad, you've got 10 seconds to give me some advice that will change my life, switch your thinking from short term to medium and long term. That's it. And once you get through this short term pain, once you get through that, you then get to the medium. Everything's good. So I look at that whole energy thing, and I am um, people say, "Oh, Brad, you're so full of energy." You know how how do you do it by not wasting energy on shit that doesn't matter?
0: Well, look at you not consuming the news now. That's an energy conservation tactic as well.
1: Massive. You know, uh, at least five percent. And I tell you something as well. If you think about, I've got a, 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 I can't show you because I'm not going to print it, but I'm working on a document at the moment, which is just that, which is looking at, and I'll, I'll save and call it up now. But looking at that whole energy thing, that whole energy thing. Being a, a tangible thing, we know how many um uh, there you go. We know how many how, ma- how many units how many units it uses for you to, to switch your telly on. Use that same process for how you live your life. Is this a good use of energy green? Is it a negative use of energy, red? And actually say to yourself, because I think that when you get into a bad day, is when your your remaining energy goes over the halfway point and you've got red. Because the the, the, the the more energy you've got, when, when I'm full of energy, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm podcasting now. I'm not high-fiving the kids like this, right? And when I present, I come up with a Brad version of myself. But I don't do this all day long. The old Brad, I would have done it all day long. And it's draining. So I realise now it's about picking your shots, not punching cobwebs. And if you think about this, just to put this in perspective for people to understand, if you go and have a ping-pong ball, you twat it, right? And actually, you know, as hard as you can. Or... Flick. Flick will go a whole lot farther and there's not as much. And that's where I'm at with it. All my mindset at the moment,
0: everything I do. I love that analogy on on energy and how you're allocating it and also how you're saving it. And equally, one of the most important points that you made, which people might have missed because it was there was so much there, is that you don't all wake up at 100%. You might have not had a great sleep. You might have had other stressors. There's other things going on. So you might be at 85 to start your day. And because you're filling your head with the news and negativity or yes, you've got 85. money worries... It's going down faster and faster and faster and you're putting yourself at risk of burning out really quick whereas what you were saying is Let's apply it in a sensible way and really put your energy into the things that might help. And I'm a big believer in that there's some things that you do which will actually charge your energy outside of your sleep, which is things like training, things like walking in nature, things like listening to a motivational podcast with the right kind of people that you want to listen to, or even just talking to a friend or or having having positive conversations with your with your wife. These things will boost your energy, and then you can apply those to your working day. And I'm a big sure. fan of serving yourself first as well, Brad, because you were you were talking there about when you get up and your energy is maybe not 100%. But... Serve yourself first and try and charge up. So that but when it comes time to Nine o'clock, or eight o'clock, or whenever you're starting your working day, you're bringing the the energy that that, that, that you, and, you and certainly actually,
1: do. And, and so, so this is the thing. I look at my life like a computer game. Like I'm not. This is not like. Oh, I'm a big gamer, right? do You play games?
0: Uh, like back in the day, FIFA and stuff oh, like right, that. Brad, sorry. not, not, not so, so,
1: so this is my, my the how I deal with everything, right? So, effectively, it's a it's an M L T. So you take your car in for an MOT every year, and he goes, ah, you need check indicators, road witness, all that, tick, 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 tick. When was the last time that you did an MOT for your life? (laughs) You don't. So you just fucking keep going through. So I've got an MOT here, you know, look, past 50-50, sorry, past fucking family health, relationships, fitness, diet, business, finances, focus, courage, blah, 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 blah. And I gauge them, and I can see exactly. It's like a computer game. Computer game, I'm playing GTA. Oh, you need some energy now. Oh, energy over there. Ah, you need some money. Go and do a quest over there. It is the same fucking principle with your life. This is the biggest computer game ever. But what we end up doing, if you had a heads-up display that said what you need, you could then work out. And I've I've, I've systemized. And I've been playing computer games for since 1981. So I think... (laughs) I think that it's had a big impact on how I see tasks. So in order for you to beat the boss, you've got to go level up and get the armor. To get the level up and armor, you've got to go and do that mission. And I think that so many people right now believe they can go to the fucking final boss based on what going on a fucking daft course that you've bought fucking 10 grand online. Just bullshit. Bullshit.
0: Agreed. One of the reasons I think you're able to speak so well about sustainable success, which again, like you say, is a new phrase that you're trying to bring to the space, yeah. is because you've experienced what you've termed before as success. Can you explain what that was?
1: Fucking great! You you've done your research. So, you know, I had everything. I Had a two point, was it six? Okay, two point three million pound business. Two point three million pound business. Fucking money, wiping me out with fifty pound notes. Come on, guys! We're well, six bottles of fucking Bollinger with fucking sparklers. I can't think. What a knobhead! I look at it and I go, are you fucking stupid? Right, I look I look at the world now and I think, what the fuck were you doing? But at the time, once again, I'd come from nothing. And this is what I thought success was. It's all on me, lads, thousand quid, spending a fucking restaurant. Just crazy. But anyway, I had all that, but I was deeply unhappy. <laughs> right, I remember walking with Doug Tyson, the Labradoodle, doodle is gone now. Right? But I remember walking him, crying. Uh, 30, 38, I can't remember. Now, t- 2012. So 10 years ago. So what am I now? 49. Yeah, 39. Midlife crisis, by the way, are very real. It's a complete side comment. Trust me, you remember this when you're that old. Midlife crisis are very fucking real, where you kind of go, is this all the, is all to life? So I'd got everything and yet I'd had nothing. I felt um, alone. Everywhere that I went was fresh fucking paint. And this is what people don't see, almost like the dark side of success. And I was this big fat fucker who was eating away comfort. My wife and I were fucking finished. We had a divorce lawyer booked and everything. And um, you know, everything I'd worked towards with five bedroom house, the flash car, it was like Jenga. It had this big wobbly tower of success and it was one fucking thing coming away. So I would rather now knowing what I know now, and this is what I try to say to people. So I had a guy, I went out to Gaucho's, I'm, I'm a vegetarian now. How do you know if you've got a vegetarian on the podcast? Don't worry, I'll tell you. Um, but I was at Gaucho's having a steak a few years ago with a mate of mine. A two million pound business, he'd created a two million pound recruitment business. And I'm out at Gaucho's and he goes, oh, I'm going for, I said, well done mate. He said, yeah, I'm going for a 10 million pound one now. So I'm eating my steak. And I went, why is that then? Well, I said, right, you going for a 10 million pound business. He went, well, you know, no, don't go on. I sat there in my cappuccino or whatever it was. And I said to him, go on. He said, you know, so I can get the nice things for my family. I said, like, what? Well, you know, no, 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 I don't fucking know. Tell me. And he couldn't answer me. I said, tell me what, I'm in a 10 million pound business. will give you that a two million pound one more. Tell me. I'll shut the fuck up. And he couldn't fucking do it. I said, how old's your boy? He said, six. I said, how long is it gonna take you to do that? He said, seven years. Okay. I'll tell you another story. My boy Brandon. <clears throat> I said to him, I said do you want to come to wrestling? Ultimate pro wrestlings fighting in fucking oval. Eddie the Lion Ryan versus Big Grizzly Bear from Cardiff. Do you want to go wrestling? And he said, No. So what do you mean, So We always go. He said, maybe I'm not eight anymore. So Time this passed. is what people don't under fucking stand. You're so focused on making more fucking money. For what? and it's like it's a game you can't win because there's always someone with a pound more than you and I think this is the bit where I'm at now I go how much is enough enough is enough I've got everything that I fucking want you know I've got a big television well actually yeah but you can get a bigger one Brad and it's got fucking 8k and it's round this know, how many people ever find happiness before widescreen televisions and I think we've got to go back to a more simpler fucking time in our lives because we've got ourselves into this hyper consumerism he says with a fucking iphone max right but we've got ourselves into this hyper consumerism where unless you have got the latest things better mind those four years but three years in the old form but the point i am making is i think we've kind of got to start finding our internal fucking happy and, and and then by all means once you've got your internal happy if you want the 10 million pound business then go for it but i will question this that if you get your internal happy and you're content You'd be questioning why the fuck I'm going for a ten million pound business, and that's not me being down on money. I love money. It's not me being down on success, but what it's about is sustainable success. Because actually, the reason that often, if you go into any business and then whenever a mentor for businesses, and I go into some fucking high-level uh, C-suite operators that you'd never dream that you think, why are these working with him? Because I'm so honest and I don't give a fuck. I'm unyielding. But when was the last time that you looked at a, a balance sheet of, a, of an organisation that says directors' happiness? <laughs> doesn't happen. So everyone's worried measures. about fucking margins and profit. No one gives a fuck about the directors or the staff being happy. And that's something that we've kind of incorporated within all my businesses. Happy.
0: There's so much within that, Brad. And I think one of the things that stands out to me is there's diminishing returns once you start to hit a particular level of money. And I've hosted a gentleman called Dr. Daniel Crosby, who's a behavioural psychologist, but he specialises in finance. And I asked him, does money make you happy? And in short, the answer is yes, but only up to a point. Correct. Do you know do you know roughly what the what the figure is, Brad, per year?
1: 50, 56,000,
0: maybe? Yeah, it's it's moved up a little bit now. It's around, it's around 75 to 80K. Now, you were doing that monthly, 100 grand a month. So there, there, there was no upper ceiling from you scaling from uh, 2.3, whatever you were, to more, just like your friend at dinner. There was no point in him going from 2 to 10 if the aim was happiness. If the aim was something else fine but, yeah, but if the aim was to become happier it's not going to happen
1: well it's not and this is the thing so often generally when i see people who are driven from from a success perspective it's because they got locked in a culture by when they were seven by their dad or somebody said they'd never amount to anything there's always something and something that i do is i go back and i, I kind of <clears throat> i capture what i call significant emotional events those events that seemingly shape you and there's also insignificant emotional events So i'm going to give you two things and take me a minute so when I was um, 1977, uh, I was four. And the reason I know it was 1977 is they had the Queen's Silver Jubilee. So it was a street party. I'm four-year-old, street parties and bunting everywhere. And there was a jumble sale. <clears throat> and I had I went to a jumble sale to go and get a, um, there was a fuzzy felt set. So I had a fuzzy felt set, two pence in hand to pay it at four. And then this whole day came along and paid for it and fucked off. One thing. I was eight year old I went to a fair over in manchester called the uh, heaton park the had traveling fair and eight years old i used to go on the bus on my own different world completely my boy's 19 he's never even left the village um so i go back down to that to to, to the, the fair and let's say i had 20 pence i've spent all my money i've got four pence to get the bus home but i want to go in the bumper cars at four pence hmm. so i'm now an eight year old trying to process this so what it does it goes ah i go in the fruit machine So I put the two pence in the fruit machine, nothing. I am now walking home. I'm now walking home and I'm not going on the bumper cars. Two pence in, seven, 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 20 pence. Bumper cars, hot dog, bus home, job done. Two things that I believe that those insignificant, seemingly insignificant emotional events have have, have shaped this programming that I talked about, about being a human computer. One, move fast. Because if you don't, you lose your fuzzy felt set two you're looking so you start twinning this together and you'll find a way that's why i'm the person i am and i believe if those two things hadn't happened if i'd have bought the fuzzy felt set if the 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 the, the 777 hadn't come up I think my entire life would be different. And the way that I view the world, remember what I said, your algorithm on LinkedIn wall will be different to mine. The way that you see something, two people can see exactly the same thing and see something completely different. And this is what it's about. It's about a positive mindset. It won't solve all your problems, it won't, but it'll fucking help. And this is what I've got. I've got this. I say, right, how, like a computer game, how do I find a way through whatever challenge that I'm facing right now?
0: Equally, the language and the thought process that you use to shape your childhood events, has a massive impact as well because while you could frame like some people maybe have like a very traumatic experience in their childhood but they then reframe it in a positive way or they they, they look at the resilience that they showed to overcome it and then they channel it so in the same way that you managed to say because I got 777 I'm a lucky individual uh, because the the lady took the, took the fuzzy felt out of my hand and paid I need to move faster and it's it's something that you've done positively and I know that you're well known for actually making fast decisions what's your what's your process for that so
1: look at this this is um <clears throat> better decisions faster i live by it this is my whole um <clears throat> kind of mo um when it comes to making decisions i'm the easiest person in the world to sell to you i was gonna say reach out and then i realized they're not the four tops you contacted me and said um you know do you want to go to podcast <laughs> don't happen straight away bosh Right. I will make a decision in 24 seconds. If I can't make a decision in 24 seconds, I revisit it in 24 uh, minutes. If after 24 minutes I can't make a decision, I revisit it in 24 hours. If after 24 hours I can't make a decision, I just made a decision. It's not important. Next. That's how I operate. So when it comes to making decisions, the reason that people don't make decisions is they're scared they're the wrong ones. If you knew that every single fucking decision that you made was the right one, you'd make more. So think about it. There's no correlation between time spent on a decision and it being correct or or, or not that's fact by the way that science has proven that so the the thing about decision tree every time you come across a why and where you end up and so forth as a result of it the faster that you can make decisions correctly the more that you move on throughout your life but here's the thing I believe that an expert is someone that has made all the mistakes in a particular niche field when it comes to uh, motivational speaking I've made them all book writing made them all marriage made them all and that's what an expert is so when I make a decision if I get it wrong it moves me one step towards being an expert. Not, oh, fucking, oh, I made a bad decision. No, it moved me one step. It's like a down payment on future death decisions. If I get it right, it moves me one step towards success. Can't fucking lose. So I will make a decision based on, and people say, how have you made that decision? I wrote a book called Now What. There we go. Bush. Now What. And the reason I wrote that book, Now What, is because it's a question that the only time ever anyone ever asked that question is when the shit's hitting the fan. Right? So you've just got someone pregnant, somebody's just died. Someone's got COVID, the business is a bad pet. Well, now what? People under stress don't make great decisions. So why the fuck are making decisions when you're stressed? So what I do is I make decisions outside of decisions. So I know that in the event that somebody does this, I know what I'm doing. So I've drilled mentally, and this is why people can't understand when I make a decision like that. They're like, Can you know just because I knew what I was doing, fucking because I made the decision stress, you know, stress-free. So it was a clean thinking, clean centered thinking, which allows you to make a decision, not a motive. So it's been a really interesting time to look at this street kid from Salford, Manchester, who somehow put himself out as a fucking mindset guru, <laughs> right? But you know, if
0: if it didn't have but a trap behind it, There's frameworks behind your decision making, which means that it doesn't matter that you're a street kid from Salford. What matters is that you've got um, processes and frameworks within your head that allow you to make decisions to the best possible extent to put you in the best possible position to move quickly.
1: You know, the thing is with this, Colin, is um, you look at this whole paper and anyone who's got a qualification, my boy is going to university, did I mention that? My boy's going to university and when he gets his degree or whatever it is, masters or what the foot he's doing, right? Sorry, I don't understand further education. Whatever he does, he's gonna get a certificate. So his entire six years or whatever it is, he's gonna be for a piece of certificate on, on, on the on the on the wall. Now, someone who's very clever made up any qualification. That's all anyone's ever fucking done. So if I want make up a motivational speaker qualification, I'm entitled to do so. And this is the thing. If you can do the job, you're qualified, unless you're a brain surgeon or a fucking airline pilot, at which point i quite like seven years uh, in, in, in school. But the point I'm making is this is my world that I'm not in. I'm, I'm, I don't try to blag anyone. I don't lie about any of this. I say I've got no degree in psychology, but what I'm sharing with you is genuine, tried and tested, genuine, tried and tested with me as the guinea pig, the street kid. Yeah, you're not right, our kid. proper. Right? That's what I was. Where the fuck did that come from, that identity come from? It came from my environment. So if my environment was that, I am still living in Salford, you know, all right, yeah, we're going to go on a pub and have a few jars. That's what I would have been. But somewhere along the way, I had to fucking disconnect my identity to that identity in order to make a new identity.
0: Identity is an absolutely massive thing, and I suppose you would have had to make that change when you moved south because, one, people wouldn't have maybe understood or resonated no, with you. No, but-
1: no, no, no. So was, this is the thing. I kept hold of it so that nobody fought with me. Oh, what are you looking at? I kept hold of it because it protected me from anyone fucking with me. But guess what? How did that protect me from getting shot at? And the problem is, is that I realized that when I first started my, my networking business in two thousand six, and I'm speaking a bit on like, SRI, nobody could understand me. I remember having a conversation with somebody, and this guy uh, or lady, whatever, said to me three times, "Sorry, what was that?" And after the third time, <laughs> and I was like really frustrating for me that people couldn't understand me, so I had to consciously get my diction. I had to stop speaking from my knowledge. all right, right? Now, I've had to make these things, and really uncomfortable change goes back down to the fat motivational speaker. Beyond all no illusion. oh, I, I like having me Teddy Christie in voice. No, you fucking don't. You just you don't think you can get rid of it. That's the reality of it. And, 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 and this is why I think where people get messed up, they're tethered to the way that it used to be. When I go back, and once again, another exercise, this is what I'm trying to say. This isn't just like me making stuff up, by the way, on the fly. But one of the things that I do is I look at Uh, What I, as a kid, what was my driving force? What was my driving force as a kid? So when I was seven years old, uh, you know, my focus was Lego. When I was 14, BMX bikes. 21, drugs. 27, 28, uh, drugs and women. 35, uh, business. 42, family. 49, family. So you look at what your priorities are. But actually, if I was still hooked up on that whole thing about being holding on to the past, where am I going to be stuck? And this is where so the Magnificent Sevens, right? So kind of look at what 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 your driving force is. And, and, and whereas people can say if my driving force was still into fucking drugs and I'm women, that wouldn't be a good fit. So people need to adapt. They need to adapt.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that, Brad. And I think, like you say, like those were your driving forces, so that's where your time went. And that's, of course, the things that had the highest return. So, for example, now you've said you're talking about sustainable success but the last seven years of your life have been focused on family. And while businesses ticked along in the background, it's not overtaken the, the fundamental had, value.
1: Had, at 35, business had 35. Business was my primary job. And even at, yeah, you 42, said that. even at 42, I'd probably go as far as saying that was that like turning point of business. But now I realise the futility of it. I, I realise, I'll tell you one of the things that really woke me up. Years ago, I was listening to Radio 4, and there was a news that said, oh, the, the chairman or CEO of... Um, American Express, the CEO of American Express, and we could probably Google this to find out where exactly it was, CEO of American Express has had a heart attack, there's been an emergency, whatever, from a different thing, oh, he's died. He's died in transit, and he's layed jet. He's learjet jet, he was onto a business meeting, he, he, he died in transit, uh, he leaves behind three fucking, you know, a wife and three kids. And I was like, fuck, it was one of those moments, like a Robert the Bruce moment, right, where I went, oh, I'm gonna fucking bow. This is crazy, so, so would he have been on that lay jet? If he knew that he was going to die. See, here's the thing. We are so focused about how much money people have got, how much money in the bank, did it, did it, did it. how much fucking life do you have left? That's the more important question because you don't fucking know. Tonight could be my last day. That's it. Oh, don't talk that. You're only 49. It could be my last day, right? Any of the fucking previous 49 years could be my last day. It could be anybody's last day. And this is what I say to people. You have something that one of the richest men in the world doesn't have. Steve fucking Jobs. Steve Jobs would give you all of Apple reserves, $68 billion or whatever it is, for one day left of your life to swap a day. And that says to me that today is as important as the last day of your life. But we take it all for granted. We take today for granted. We take our health for granted, our family for granted, our friends for granted. We take our freedoms for granted. You look at what happened with the fucking pandemic. Talk about a leveller and then people want to go back to normal. It's time for us to start living differently as individuals, live differently, use it. Because if you want to go back to making more fucking money, why, what is it about that? Like, this is uh, this pisses me off on LinkedIn. Because I, I do believe that we're heading towards a, a, a almost revolt. I, th- I think we're... I ju- I, I,
0: I'm always... Not always, the po- but... The political conditions are there, Brad, when it comes to money. I, I thought I thought people in Britain would have been more disagreeable about the restrictions that were put in place, particularly when you started to realise that some of the restrictions were heavy-handed in my book, albeit I know some people disagree with me. Um, but equally, I do agree, the conditions are there for people to revolt, particularly the cost of living crisis. It's going to be I'll, tell
1: you, I'll tell you something. Two years ago, I a disagreed with you. Two and a half years ago. Right now, more than ever before, I have walked the fuck up and I'm looking at this and I was... It's pro-government i was supportive in everything i was i was leading the charge fuck off they don't give a shit there's no cavalry. this is what you need to understand this is you've got this false bullshit that you believe that these people are actively looking out for you your interest in their thing and they think about it you look out for your interest colin i look out for my interest it might be a little bit of a pragmatism along the way a philanthropist but in the round your priority is your priority same goes for politicians Yes, they might give you a scraps off the table and, and do the best, but ultimately their priority is their priority. So I'm at that point right now where, from my perspective, you know, my business, just to be fucking clear, uh, March 22nd, uh, 2020. Uh, 1.6 million pounds, my primary business. I've got a couple, but my primary business, 1.6. Please stay at home. I was running 5,000 networking meetings, the brewer spares up and down the land. Please stay at home. It'll only be for a couple of weeks. Three months later, still fucking going. Six months later, we, we pivoted, took it online, and then bosh. Everyone just fell off a cliff after six months. And my business, that was once this national fucking organisation, everyone 68,000 networking meetings, real life, as went to shit. Right. So, and, and and this is the bit that we worry about lives. We worry about lives. We worry about the impact. And I get it. And I, but the more I look at it now, and I look back outside of the fray of what it was at the time, and you had to move and as collective, nah, we were sold a fucking pup, and uh, and so was I. And I think that this is why right now all the goodwill of moderates like me has been fucking pissed away.
0: Yeah, the the establishment really took our trust for granted. I've actually hosted a gentleman called Zuby on the podcast. You might have seen him on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he's a Zuby's very outspoken about this whole thing. No and I
1: follow Zuby, he follows me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think I saw that connection. That's one of the reasons I brought it up, and mm-hmm. I uh, I certainly was on board with the fact that government. I was very like I did politics at university, so I was very interested in like oh like the, the 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 state provides for the for the people, albeit I wanted a smaller state and all that kind of stuff in terms of where my political leanings lie. But the level of government involvement and the level of incompetence, but also just a general disregard for for uh, for for the facts and the feelings of the, of the population was, was just absolutely wild. so I completely agree when it comes to like having a level of personal responsibility and looking after yourself and prioritizing okay, yourself just- and those is okay. vital.
1: Colin, interesting one that I've kind of landed on right now, which is we need to be the cavalry. You need to look after your tribe. And I think that's what we've got to do. We've got into this situation right now. Ooh, fucking uh, there you go. One click fucking by. Wonderful. That'll be arriving in fucking three hours time. And every single time that we press that, we're destroying our fucking high streets. Every single one of us. And then we go, oh, government, you need to sort the high street out. What we need to start fucking doing now as a a society is we need to start looking after that family unit, family unit. And I don't mean family, family. I'm on about home and and, and cursory friends and so forth. That's what we've got to start doing. Start looking after that. That's where these hubs are going to be, these networks where we can actually come together. I have no fucking idea. I've been off the news for nine nine months. But my whispers that I'm picking up is that, you know, shit's going to pop off even fucking more. So so, so there's no point in going, oh, fucking head in the sand. Now is the time to be starting banging fucking spaghetti and planting your own potatoes, right? And actually, it might be bullshit, but I'll tell you what, you fucking see how valuable it is when this shit pops off. What's the downside? And I said this to the wife. I said, go and buy, every time, buy an extra bit of fucking beans and stuff. There's no point. Last time we bought it, you know, fucking forget last time. Nobody fucking knows. You know what? No one has ever gone up a ladder and thought they were going to break a fucking leg. And actually, uh, this is the point I make. Nobody knows. I've got no idea. And I said to when I speak at these fucking conferences, I'm good timelines, by the way, if you want to go on. Um, But I said to the, from a conference perspective, um, who had, you know, put your hand up if you had, you know, fucking global pandemic on your business plan. Fucking thousand people, three hands went up. Three hands. And I went to go to them. Oh, brilliant. Three. Yeah, brilliant. Well done. How the fuck did that paragraph of text help you throughout that last two years? (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's such a good point it didn't did it you you know uh, is it not mike tyson everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face okay. um, so
1: so so you look at that and this is what people need to understand they, they're preparing for their own fucking thing people believe you know it's like it's like oh, yeah, i'm not getting into it. i was gonna get into one of the fucking the, the business parties that's supposed to look after them fucking jokers They Do you don't give a fuck Bullshit, yeah it's a business.
0: It's, it's super challenging but Brad some, some of the points you made there around looking after those around you and your, your your family and things like that are linked to something that you call a bradism which is help many hurt few live life this is your own kind of like almost religious mantra what does it mean to you?
1: <clears throat> that simplicity of it If if you look at how complicated that we've made the world you right? know help many hurt few live life somebody uh, why do you have to hurt anyone oh shut the fuck up because you want to watch Channel 4 and I want to watch ITV who's winning Right, and so so you know this is the, 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 go back onto the point I made before uh, you made about Adele. So many people are now in a in a situation where they, they're in other people's business. So stop get out of other people's business and get into your own. So for me to live that life, and I genuinely do that, help many hurt few live life. And what's interesting about this is that I've got a stalker at the moment. Genuinely, uh, someone who's just got arrested two two weeks ago. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't people don't see this right, and these are people that have helped. And I've had that. And if you think about, let's say, for this conversation, I've helped or have impacted 10,000 people, and that's conservatively um, in the last 15 years. If only 0.001 of them are fucking nutcases, guess what? You've got 100 nutcases on your case. And this is a, a downside of being that guy of wanting to help people is that somewhere along, especially in today's kind of social media world, you kind of, you, you kind of cop this. And my my co-director Pippa said to me, She said, Do you not get cynical with you? Because there's lots of stuff that you'll never know that I do in help with people. Because that guy, I'm that guy. But what I do is I fight for the underdog, but the underdog's got to fight for themselves. But Pippa said to me, Do you not get cynical when you get people, you know, with the help many hurt for you live life? Um, you know, people kind of mislay that trust or, or whatever. And yes, however, once again, you've got to focus on the 99 people that are not dickheads. And, and rather than the one. So that is how I live my life. My primary directive is that I kind of put that through my filter. Am I helping someone? Am I helping someone? Am I hurting somebody? If so, is there a way of offsetting that hurt and um, and live life? Because too many people are are not living life, they they're living this this bullshit life that, that, that society has told them fucking stupid handbags, photographs, and this that but like, that isn't life. And then when you go back down to it, I was living that. You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was living that life as well. And I look at it and I can see it. We leak the truth. And, and, you know, no one in the UK has had more one-to-ones than me because of the nature of my network. And I see what people stand for. And this is what I'd urge every single person. if You know, stop lying to yourself. Be who you are. Whatever that is, unless you're an arsehole, I wish to ask yourself, why am I an arsehole? Can I rewind the remote control and find out what went on as my childhood that meant I'm an arsehole and do something about it?
0: You've, you've done that self-work as well, though, Brad, because you were speaking about the, the way that you changed how you spoke, your demeanour, you changed um, your, your mindset around particular things. And that's by doing the self-work. And I'm, I'm a big fan of men having those open conversations about writing things down and exploring what's happened in their life to put forward how they, how they move forward more positively beyond that.
1: One, one, one thing that is, was a crucial decision, and anyone now who's watching, listening to this can do this right now, smile more. And you go, huh, trust me. I used to walk around Salford, like, that's what you did. So nobody fucked with you. So anyone coming across the road, they cross the road. And then that, that protected me. But it also fucking deterred people from opportunity. You'd never meet nice people. Remember what I said, the algorithm. You're walking around like that. The only people that you're going to appeal to is other people like that. And, or you're going to appeal to people or, or you're going to get combative. Someone's going, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Bam. Next thing you got fight. So we're getting, for what? Where the fuck did that come from? So I made a decision. I would never have grown a national network. I'd never be a motivational speaker for walk around with a scowl on my fucking face. So I made the decision genuinely to smile more, right? I swear to you, the algorithm, the, the way that you see the world will be lighter and brighter and you'll see opportunities that were always there, but because of the scowl, I'm telling you, I know this sounds absolutely. You've got my <laughs> full
0: backing on it, Bad. You've you, you got my full backing because I actually wrote to my email list a couple of months ago about smiling before stressful situations. So I, I don't really get nervous for podcasts now, but if I've got a big meeting in work or say I'm going to like a, a social event or I'm meeting a girl on a date for the first time. If you manically smile in the mirror for 10 to 15 seconds, it actually releases particular hormones like oxytocin correct. within your body and correct. it starts to fire. So you get the same level of happiness, even if it was not a genuine smile. And then you actually become genuinely happy off the back of it. So you, what you're advising is completely correct. It opens up opportunities, but also puts you in a positive frame of mind to contribute as best you can.
1: Simple. And, and, and then you, and, and people, are, but what happened is, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not talking to you. That's embarrassing. Embarrassing for who? just you didn't see you, yourself so do it and i'm telling you and this i swear to you you know walking around like a sulfur badder man that's how i used to walk it's fucking ridiculous i can't think of anything fucking worse but for whatever reason that was how i operated because i thought that, that was the way that you do it's fucking daft
0: so you smile can more smile <laughs> more and live life that's a it's a nice note for us to wrap up on brad i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i'm sure the I listeners thought- had too and if they want to continue the conversation with you where should they head towards
1: uh, work for our, sorry work work with brad.biz That's my, my new uh, page. Work with Brad Biz and find me on socials. But I've genuinely enjoyed that. I could have kept going and going and going. Good vibe you got.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have to do a round two again at some point in the future. Brad, thank you very much for joining me, guys, and I'll be back to speak to you again very very soon.